Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks for joining me this week. Appreciate it, as always. This week, I am interviewing another really cool person in this kind of performance arts interesting profession world we talked a few weeks ago to somebody who's a ballet dancer professionally has devoted their life to that all that kind of stuff this week kind of in that same realm now we're going to talk to an irish dancer now i've always been interested in irish dance of course i've seen you know river dance and that type of thing we're going to talk about that about how it's similar but it's also different you know it's kind of a form of irish dance but it's a little bit different and uh you know how she feels about kind of everyone's association to uh irish dance river dance and and how there's a lot more to it than just uh, what you see there which is already impressive enough the real irish dancing is even more impressive so it kind of led me into the world of Oh, goodness, you know, these fancy costumes, these fancy outfits that are all made in Ireland, these sky-high wigs that, you know, the the young ladies wear in competition. Just a fascinating, fascinating world. I really do think you're going to enjoy this one. I really enjoyed speaking to uh, Claudia Morrison. That is who I'm speaking with this week. She is a professional Irish dancer, uh, a little bit different than uh, the baller the ballerina, the ballet dancer that I spoke with, where she works for a company that allows her to be professional um, at the same time as going to school and kind of pursuing that world as well. So I, uh, I, I learned so much, so much. I do think you'll learn a lot too, whether you're into uh, you know this performance art stuff, uh, you're into Irish dancing or, or any of these type of things. I think you're going to enjoy just hearing about something that I don't think a ton of people know about. I mean, maybe maybe you know a little bit about ballet that we spoke about a few weeks ago, but do you truly know that much about Irish dance? I hope you're listening and like, yeah, that's why I came here. I wanted to hear more about uh, my friend Claudia. Uh, if that's the case, welcome. But uh, for those who don't, I do think you're going to learn a lot. Everything from these interesting outfits and why they wear these sky-high wigs to uh, why don't they move their arms? Why are they only moving their legs? We're going to talk about some of those uh folklore legends behind that too but uh this was a fun one here is my interview with claudia morrison i'm here today with claudia morrison claudia how are you i'm good how are you i'm good thanks for joining me really appreciate it yeah of course love doing it for sure so before we kind of get into my questions if you would just just introduce yourself who's claudia so i'm claudia i'm 19 years old almost 20 and I'm an Irish dancer professionally. Um, I also have an account on Instagram that uh, I like to post videos on. Um, and so I'm from Chicago. I grew up dancing um, both Irish dance and you know ballet, traditional types of dance. Uh, so I've been dancing for, I think about 17 years now. So been doing it for a long time um, and yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're almost 20, you've been dancing for 16 or 17 years, then I'm envisioning we had some like young, almost toddler Claudia doing the, doing the dance then, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I started when I was three doing ballet. And then by the time I was five, that's when I got into Irish dancing, but I've, I've been dancing ever since I was three. 
That's really cool. And I want to kind of get into your story when it comes to Irish dancing here in a, in a moment, but we've already mentioned Irish dancing. That's what we're talking to you about uh, and, and being professional in that. But I always like to just break things down for people who, you know, don't, don't know about all kinds of things. I've, I've made people break down darn near everything to, to the basic level. So tell us what Irish dancing is for someone who doesn't know. So Irish dancing um, is a style of dance. It comes from, you know, it's very, very traditional. Stems hundreds and hundreds of years back um, to Ireland and um, sometimes some Scottish, but mainly it started from Ireland and it um, is usually a quick paced type of dancing. You usually see dancers with their arms down, um, moving very fast and quick. Um, Sometimes I like to say, for people who don't know Irish dancing, river dance, actually their type of dancing is Irish dancing. It's very fast paced, um, but it can also, you know, change. And there's a lot of traditions with it. Uh, we always dance to um, certain musics, like a reel or a jig that you see on St. Patrick's Day. Um, and it's kind of been like that for a good while. Everything you're saying there, I'm glad that I did I researched correctly because a lot of these questions are you just mentioned. So we're going to kind of go into a little more detail. So I'm glad I've got some of the, some of the right questions for you. And the next one is going to be about something you just mentioned, I guess, kind of just the different dance moves. Obviously it's kind of hard to, to truly have people envision it when it comes to a podcast, but I think everyone knows, you know, do a little jig or a jig or a reel. What exactly is that? So really a jig or a reel, there's also slip jig and hornpipe um, and heavy jig as well. Mm. So those are kind of like the main types of dancing that we do. It's kind of like categories, kind of like when you think of like Spanish dancing, there's the mamba, there's, you know, salsa dancing. It's, it's like that. So mm. it's all under the Irish, you know, umbrella basically, but each kind of music and style is a little different. So jig that's what a lot of people um you know are common commonly refer as irish dancing that's a lot of jumping um it's very basic a lot of just jumps together lifting the legs not super complex um it's usually what we teach uh the youngest dancers just so that they can start getting into it mm -hmm. um and then reel is very similar it's very high fast paced but you usually move a lot more it's a lot more intricate and then from there, it always switches and you have, so like the jig and reel, you always see it in our soft shoes or our gillies, um, which don't make noise, a, a lot like ballet that you would see. And then we have the other styles, heavy jig, hornpipe, all that. And that's with our heavy shoes, which have fiberglass tips that make the sound for them. Um, so it really, you know, the different, like a jig and a reel, they're just kind of classifications of Irish dance. But a lot of times the moves are similar. It's just different music and then just different rhythms, really. I got you. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, another thing, too, that, that I want to ask you about. You're the one that kind of brought it up. I've kind of done a little bit of, of research and, and talked to a few people in this in this kind of area. And most, I feel like maybe maybe I'm wrong, but how, I mean, do you feel, how do you feel about, you know, the association so much with, river dance i'm sure you get it all the time where people are like oh you irish dance isn't that river dance and from i feel like it's a little bit different correct and how do you feel about everyone just automatically saying basically you're a river dancer i mean river dance is you know a very nice production it's a very you know it brought 
Irish dance into, you know, everyone's world for those who weren't, you know, born knowing about Irish dance and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, It's definitely different from, you know, competition. And then there's even like, you know, performing arts type of Irish dance. Um, River dance is a more commercial style. Um, So a lot of it is, you know, a lot of it's about like the show and um, less about more like the movements. Um, So, I mean, I'm fine if like anyone, you know, says river dance. I mean, it's definitely, I've gotten it so many times, I can assure you, but I definitely think that river dance made it very well known, but there's a lot more to Irish dance than just river dance. Yeah. And what I read was that your river dance is definitely big on the, you know, the, the showmanship of it and kind of, focusing completely on, you know, that, that, that dance and, and being synchronous where Irish dancing. And again, correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of that has to do way more with, you know, the actual costuming and the music and all kinds of stuff like that, where there's, there's things that they just kind of cut out because it doesn't matter as much for the, for the show. Yeah, there's definitely big differences. There's kind of like three categories in Irish dance. You have like commercial, which is like River Dance, Lord of the Dance, all those shows you see um, and that are really well known and travel everywhere. There's competitive, which is usually it's um, where everyone going into River Dance starts. When you learn Irish dance, you start in the competition phase. And then there's the performing arts um, side of Irish dance, which is where my company is, um, which is different than all three. And they're all different in each way. Um, Competitive Irish dance, yeah, there's a lot more with costumes um, and a lot more rules and regulations. Um, I mentioned in the past about like having your arms not move. You can't have your arms move. You can't go down to the floor. You can't, there's so many regulations. You have to dance to a specific kind of music when you're there. Um, And then river dance, it's more free from that. You have a lot more of a distance between the competitive side Um, But there's definitely still some like characteristics um, from each that kind of blend into each other. Um, There's a lot of, you know, repetition in river dance, like there is in competitive dance. Um, And then you have, you know, my own company, Trinity Irish Dance Company, and we're actually the only performing arts Irish dance company there is. And a lot of it is a lot more modern. It's changing kind of Irish dance while keeping the traditions, but loosening a lot of those rules and regulations and creating something new. No, that's really cool. Yeah. And I think in anyone who's seen Irish dance, that's the first thing people notice is the whole, you know, arms not moving most of the upper torso, not moving at all. Do you, I mean, what, what's the history behind that and why is that the case? Um, I mean, there's a lot of just folklore and, you know, stories behind it, which of course, you know, we're Irish, we got to have good story behind it. But um, the main one I've heard is that um, way, way back, all the way back when, you know, the English were kind of controlling um, um, Ireland and all their people and their culture, they would ban dancing, they would ban like parties and get togethers. Um, So what people would do to fool the English is they would dance. But because in the windows, you could only see their top half, They'd keep their arms down. So when anyone walked by, they wouldn't, you know, think that they were dancing or having a party. They think they were just, you know, walking around. But in reality, they were dancing. Um, and so that's one of the main stories. There's probably, you know, a 
different thing. It might've just, you know, happened, but that's the one we get told all the time. I like that one. That's, that wasn't the one that I, I read. I like that even better. The one that I saw was just that it was kind of started out in, in the Catholic church religious and they just didn't want, you know, the young, young people to be touching each other. So they just told them to keep their hands to their sides, but I like yep. yours better. <laughs> like, I mean, that's there's, funny. There's a ton. There's, I mean, I think there's no actual person who knows why we do that. There's definitely a lot of stories behind it. I feel like that just adds obviously a huge layer of complexity. How hard is that? Cause obviously we can, we use our hands for, for balance. And when you're moving so quickly and not able to, to use that balance, I mean, is it, I, I can't even imagine the, the complexity behind that. How hard is it to, to do that? Um, really hard. Uh, you know, I, I teach um, beginners who, you know, just start. And that's one of the things a lot of times that they struggle with most is keeping those arms into balance. Um, it definitely, you have to train your body and know your center of balance when you first start. And that's kind of the first step to it. And then from there, you kind of add on to it. But I mean, even, even now, like, you know, the older you get, there's still people who struggle keeping their arms in. I mean, that's why, you know, it's such a, you know, you see some of the best competitive dancers and they have just a completely rigid body um, because they have to train so hard to do that. It's a lot you know, harder to actually keep your arms in than it is to just let them flow like you see in other dances. Yeah, and how how much, you know, because I've talked to other people in different performance arts, some other dancing like ballet, and I always want to know how much your certain style of dance lends itself to, to other styles. Obviously, I feel like this is quite different than a lot of the other different dancing. So, I mean, how well do you think, you know, uh, hip hop dancer or a ballerina or something like that would do in something like this? Um, do you think it lends itself well to other performance art or is it just completely on its own? Cause I see a lot of people, you know, I, I take tap and I take ballet. I don't feel like I see a lot of people that are like tap out ballet and Irish dancing. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm one of the rare few who actually grew up, you know, doing both styles. Um, and I definitely, I've met, um, girls, I've actually tried teaching some friends of mine who are dancers and tappers how to do Irish dance. And, you know, for me, I grew up doing it. So it's very easy for me to switch between them. But it definitely, you know, the more I saw other people try to jump in, even though they were completely trained dancers, it definitely made me realize how, you know, different it is. I mean, tap and Irish dance are probably the most similar, mainly because tap came from Irish dance. So, um, you know, especially with the rhythms and stuff. And, you know, we've we've worked in the past, my company and I with, you know, tappers, we have a, a dance that is a tap and Irish fusion. And that's probably like the easiest bridge between the two, just because um, it's just a lot of footwork and rhythms. Um, but yeah, when it comes to, you know, our, more of our soft dances, our soft shoe dances, like I said before, that are like kind of like ballet, it's very, very different because there's very big difference in like shifting your weight. Irish dancers, we constantly shift back and forth, um, you know, every second. And in other dances, it's like you keep all your weight in your back or in your front and then you slowly like move through that within it. So it's a lot of balancing and moving quickly and mobility. 
Yeah, no, I could, I could see kind of the, how tap would, would maybe be the, be the easiest one to, to kind of transition from. So kind of, let's talk about your background in Irish dance. We've already talked about how you started as a three or four year old, but, but what made you, cause you said that you went from ballet to then doing Irish dance. What made you make that move? Are, is, is your family Irish dancers or, or what happened then? Well, I, the, you know, my grandpa was first gen from Ireland, but mm-hmm. um, we uh, didn't have any Irish dancers, actually. And we didn't even really know about Irish dance um, until one St. Patrick's Day when I was in preschool. One of the girls came and, you know, did, you know, a little jig or a little reel. And, you know, while everyone else kind of, you know, left because we were preschoolers, I followed her around and I tried to like actually dance with her, even though I had no clue what Irish dancing was. Um, And then so I went home and I begged my mom to let me, you know, go into Irish dancing. And my mom thought it was a phase. She was just like, oh, whatever, like she'll, you know, forget about it in a couple months. But I didn't. (laughs) Um, I kept begging her and begging her. So finally, she you know, took me to just this little like one day clinic thing just for me to try it out. And I just fell in love with it. And then I ended up at my um, the school I grew up dancing to and I now teach at, which is Dylan Gavin School. Um, and I danced there my entire, entire life. Yeah. So how, how many people is that generally the story where it is, is Irish dancing? And I'm trying to figure exactly how to phrase this. Is there a lot of phase dancers? Because obviously, yeah. I would say 70% and this is non-scientific, but 70% of you know, young, young girls take ballet or they do something like that, but they don't, you know, join a, a ballet school and become a ballerina. That's just a kind of a thing. Is there a lot of young people that do Irish dance and then they, they move on or is it something that really, there's a lot of people that once they're in it, they really stick with it for, for long term. Um, I mean, it definitely depends. Most of the people I've danced with have gone long term. I think also it depends on how they're looking at Irish dance. You know, some people go into Irish dance just wanting, you know, the tiaras and the trophies and, you know, the sashes and all the glitz. And, you know, after a while that kind of, you know, loses its its glamour, every, you know. And, um, but there's other people like me who, you know, they join it and they just fall in love with it. I mean, some girls, they do get put in because, you know, their mom was an Irish dancer or, you know, one of their family members is Irish. And so they do it for a cultural reason other than just wanting to dance. I think it just really depends. Um, and it also depends on the school and, you know, where they're, where they're doing it, like Chicago, we have a big Irish community, but, you know, in other states and par- parts of the country, it's not, it's not as common and it's harder to really get into it. Yeah. And you're talking about it being not as common in different parts of, you know, the, the country. Um, I mean, that kind of adds to another layer, another question of how, how popular is it worldwide? Obviously there's there's ballet schools across the world. There's all kinds of things like that, but is there a lot of Irish dancing going on, you know, across the world or is it more in certain, certain countries really do it and and others don't? Well, I mean, it is primarily um, UK, Canada and um, the U S that are in it in Ireland. Um, But recently, actually there's been um, a lot of dance schools opening up in different countries um in my company itself we have a dancer from mexico 
who has his own school in Mexico, um, as well as there's um, a lot in Russia. There's a lot in Germany, um, the Netherlands. Um, Australia is actually really big as well. And so it's slowly spreading. I mean, it's definitely because it is, it does have a lot of cultural factors into it. It mm-hmm. tends to go to people with a more, you know, Irish based, you know, population. But there's, you know, I, I sometimes get surprised when I'm, you know, looking at dancers and I find out that they're from, you know, the Netherlands. And, you know, I just, I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that they had that there. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. And, and you you mentioned your company quite a few times. What does it mean, I guess, to be a, a professional Irish dancer and, and be part of a, a company? Well, it's a lot of work. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, it's I love it though. I mean, my company, Trinity Irish Dance Company, is a Chicago-based company, um, and we've been around actually. We started in the early 90s. Of course, I was not alive then, right before Riverdance um, started. And we, um, we tend to take Irish dance and try to push it, its boundaries. You know, we try to keep that integrity into it while exploring other types of, you know, fusion and Irish, Irish steps and everything. Um, I mentioned in, before that we have an Irish tap number that's, you know, mixed between the two. Um, we have, you know, contemporary movements as well. Um, we really strive for equity um, for, you know, females in the industry, especially in Irish dance, mm-hmm. um, as well as, you know, like empowering the youth and inspiring the next generation. Now, that's that's really cool. And and that was that was something I've asked in other other dances that you brought up that I, I didn't even think to ask about. What is what does it look like as far as the makeup? Is there way more men in it? Is there way more women in it? Is it pretty equal or or what does that look like? Well, in our company, it's primarily female dominant. Um, We only have two males, um, which is very different, you know, in Riverdance where it's, you know, half and half. It's very split. Generally in Irish dance itself, even in competition, you know, there is a way smaller amount of males who Irish dance than there is females. You know, mm-hmm. my competitions when I was younger, I would have 200 plus girls in my competition in my age group. And for boys in that same age group, there would be like 50. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, there's a very big difference between the amount of females and males in Irish dance. Um, but we always try to promote, you know, like equality between the two. Yeah, I think I feel like that it's kind of the same, but I feel like most most dance, most arts forms like that, they do struggle with with that diversity. So it sounds like it's about it's about the same there. Um, you talk, you mentioned competition. You're now I know that you're you're in a in a different area, but talk about what Irish dance competition kind of is and what it looks like. You know, from from the outside looking in and seeing pictures, it looks like a lot of very fancy outfits and some very uh tall hair yeah yeah i've multiple times been asked if i've done pageants um from my pictures um yeah so competition it is very different um you know it's like i said there's a lot of rules and regulations you know it's very strict we do have you know like the tanner and the dresses and the wigs um a lot of those stem from tradition like all of our dresses are handmade in Ireland and embroidered, um, which dates back to, you know, 
old Irish costumes where they would embroider knots and, um, and all like, you know, family symbols and crests and everything onto them. Um, so it is kind of similar to that. It's definitely evolved into more like showy. There's rhinestones and everything. And same with the wigs. Um, the wigs are actually fairly new. Um, they started off as just girls would curl their hair, trying to keep that, you know, the Irish heritage of the red curly hair, kind of like the stereotype of an Irish girl. Um, so they actually invented the wigs so that girls didn't have to curl their hair. And then from there, it just kind of evolved and got bigger and bigger. So now you see these huge wigs with, you know, dress and the tanner to make our legs look stronger on stage. Um, and a lot of it is mainly to stand out. Cause like I said before, I've had competitions with 200 plus girls. Um, and when you're on stage, you're with other dancers, you're not just by yourself. So you have to stand out when you're on stage. And so that's kind of where those come in. Um, but otherwise a lot of it is very, um, systematic in the way that we dance. There's, you know, we have to dance for, you know, 16 bars for our first step, another 16 bars for our second step. And we have to dance to a certain type of music at a certain speed. And um, so there's a lot more rules with that as well. Yeah. And I just think obviously most other dancing wouldn't be able to, they wouldn't be able to have those wigs because they do move their, their upper body. I feel like they, I assume they're pretty, pretty well clipped on, but I still think that that would be tough for, for almost anything else. And I can't imagine you know, when you're already having to, to do all these other things to now have a wig that I'm sure is not super, super light. I'm, I'm sure that just adds to some, some issues with, uh, with being successful. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, the amount of headaches I've had from wigs, mm. you know, it surpasses a lot of the competition sometimes. Um, but yeah, we, we actually try to train, um, with like, I've tried training, you know, with my dress on, um, just so you can get used to that weight. And yeah, those, those wigs are, you know, glued in with so many hairpins and everything. Um, and it definitely adds to the weight of your head. And, you know, that's why a lot of times we have, you know, smaller competitions and we always encourage, you know, people to go to those small competitions so that they can wear their wig and their dress and be on stage and practice because it's completely different from when you're just practicing with a t-shirt and shorts, you know? can only imagine i just wondered too you talked about how with competition everything is like almost down to the t you have to do 16 bars here to your first step all this stuff that everything is so so rigid how i guess how is it how how do they decide that you know the the winners of things if things are so everyone has to be so the same there's not really any interpretation yourself is it really just being able to do the steps of the exact precision that they needed or, or how do they tell who the, the best is, I guess. Well, so that's where um, it comes in with our judges. We always have judges and we, you know, unfortunately we don't really have such, you know, like in figure skating, gymnastics and other types of dance, they have categories where they're scored upon. Hmm. We don't, we just have the judge comes and they decide your score. You know, I mean, of course there's rules to it, you know, the general rules of Irish dance of what makes a good Irish dancer is turned out feet, um, straight legs, pointed toes, arms in, um, strong on time to the music. I mean, each person, though they're dancing to the same music, um, they're doing different 
you know, moves to mm. the music. So it's also, you know, adding in the complexity, you know, like a lot of the champion dancers do very complex steps, but they execute them very well. Um, but yeah, it can be very, very subjective. And um, especially with, you know, there being 200 plus girls, there's definitely been some times where, you know, you can't really even tell the difference really between some of the girls because it, they're all so good. And at that level that it, you can't distinguish. So I, I don't know how judges do it. I'm not a judge myself. I don't know if I could ever be, but yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's a, that's a whole other can of worms when it comes to making sure everybody is, is subjective, but kind of, kind of ties into, you know, exclusivity of, of being able to, to get into this. We're talking about how the, you know, the dresses are all handmade in Ireland. There's these you know, fancy wigs. I'm sure we're going to, I want to ask you about the two different kinds of shoes here in a minute, but I'm sure none of these things come at, you know, discount prices. So how hard is it to get into Irish dancing just from a, a price point? Oh, it's, it's definitely, you know, luckily I have a family who supports me and, you know, who's able to support my, um, dancing endeavors. Um, but yeah, they can get really pricey. I mean, a single dress without rhinestones can be 2000, 3000. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we only wear them for about a year. Um, and that's without rhinestones. And so adding rhinestones, that's a whole other, you know, probably a couple hundred dollars to add on to that. Wigs themselves are like $80. Shoes are 80 because they also are handmade in Ireland. Um, it definitely adds up. I mean, luckily, a lot of the times we can resell stuff. So we always, you know, I've resold shoes, resold dresses, resold wigs, if they're in good enough condition, um, or I just try to get my most use out of them. I mean, I have a wig that's pretty much destroyed because I wore it for way too long and it's, it looks disgusting, but um, yeah. So, I mean, it definitely is really hard financially, but a lot of times there are people who are willing to help out and, you know, you know, take in used dresses and sell them. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good to hear for sure. And I want to ask you about the shoes here in a moment, but you, you mentioned that you're able to resell them. That That's helpful. You know, again, with the only other person I've talked to in dance recently with ballet, they mentioned that, you know, their shoes are like two, $300 and they, some, some people go through a, a pair of shoes a week because they're just destroyed. So I like to hear that your shoes aren't like that, but tell us a little bit about that. Just because I think I, I'm, I'm thinking that it's probably the soft shoes that look very, very different. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the, the makeup of those shoes. It looks like just all kinds of, uh, I don't know, all kinds of straps. Yeah. So, um, our soft shoes, they're, they're like a ballet slipper. Um, they're made out of leather, um, handmade in Ireland, like I said. Um, they're very soft and they have just like, you know, a soft sole to them. And then, yeah, there's, it's laced in a very weird way. It's almost like having a shoe, but without a tongue in it. So the laces are exposed, but that's to get it so that like the entire shoe just curves to your foot. I mean, the biggest characteristic about Irish dance shoes that I have to always tell the younger girls is you don't want them to feel good. You want them to be super tight mm -hmm. and for them to be like glued to your foot because that's going to give you actually the most support. And it's also going to just make your dancing look a lot better and be easier to point and turn out in. 
Yeah. Well, so what, I mean, what's the common injuries in Irish dancing? You know, I, I assume you, you're talking about the, the shoes not feeling well. I'm sure that it doesn't lend itself well to, to being, you know, creating comfort for, for your feet, but what's, uh, what's other common injuries? Oh yeah. I mean, I've had my fair share. Um, but some of the most common are, you know, tendonitis in the feet. So overuse of the tendons in your feet, um, tons of sprained ankles. I think I've had, you know, 10, 20, I'm actually nursing a sprained ankle right now. Um, mm-hmm. just cause you know, with our dancing and, you know, if you don't have strong enough feet or you're just, you know, really tired and overusing your feet, they become really easy to just bend and which isn't good um lots of broken feet um I've I actually I had a labrum tear which is also very common within Irish dancers because of the way we move our legs and lift our legs um our motion is very front and back it's not um side to side like other dances so it creates a lot of you know issues in the hip um and yeah I mean it's been it's I have heard injuries all over the board, you know, from, you know, stress fractures in the back to broken legs to messed up knees. I mean, it's mostly lower body though. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. so you, you, you mentioned you're a professional dancer in a company. Does that mean this is a, is this a full-time thing for you? Um, so our company actually works in a way that we can be a full-time professional dancer and a full-time student or have mm. a full job. So it is pretty full time. I mean, I practice, you know, all year round. There's not really much of an off season other than, you know, maybe a week or two in the summer and then a week or two in the winter. But our performing season is actually mainly just in the spring. So and we always work it so that it's on weekends so that we can attend classes through the week or go to work through the week and then only have to miss, you know, one or two days due to performing and traveling and then be back. So Yeah, it's actually, it's really nice in that way because I can continue to, you know, have my, you know, college degree and go and, you know, get my college degree while also doing something that I love and that I love to do. No, that's, that's really awesome. And what does, I mean, what does performance look like? I don't know whether there's certain plays or, or, I mean, I, I don't know exactly what a performance looks like. Is it just certain songs that you're gathering an audience to watch you guys perform? Is there any kind of story behind your performances or how does that work? I mean, it, it varies from company to company, what a performance looks like for my company. Um, we have pieces. Um, so they're usually like six to seven minutes long. Some, we have one that's, you know, 10, 11 minutes long, but yeah. So usually within the piece itself, it tells a story, um, about what we're doing, why we're doing it. Um, and so it's kind of, you know, uh, combining a lot of those pieces together. We also have a live band who, um, they, you know, perform, you know, the songs with us while we're dancing, but they also have their own songs that tie into certain dances that we do to keep that, you know, consistency throughout the whole show. Um, our show itself is probably one and a half hours to two hours. I think this year we toned it down a bit just because of COVID and, you know, some places do not want intermissions because of COVID. So it gets shorter um, in those instances. But yeah, so it's just kind of, you know, a compilation compilation of certain dance pieces, and they all kind of flow into each other with different transitions and mm-hmm. um, costumes and everything. 
No, that's that's really cool. What's what's the longevity of, of somebody doing it in a professional nature like you? Is there a certain age that most people are out of it? Is it something that people can do for a long time? Is it something that people start transitioning into the teaching role at some point or what's the longevity? Um, Irish dance in itself is a very young sport. Um, just like I said, you know, with all the injuries that you can get, it's very hard on your body. There's a lot of impact, um, to it. Um, but that being said, I've, you know, we have dancers in the company who are, you know, 30 and older who are, you know, still dancing. Um, of course, you know, Michael Flatley probably is the long, you know, longest anyone's gone dancing, but he reached the age of 60. I think while dancing. Um, but even then, you know, towards the end, he had a lot of, you know, limits to what he could do just because of how hard it is on the body. Um, most of the time by college age, people sent either, you know, stop dancing or they start to, um, transition into teaching or going into performing. Um, and then usually if they're performing it again, it just, it's really just about your body. If you can go, you know, how many years you can go. Um, I'm lucky that I've made it this far, you know, especially with my injuries. So it's really just about taking it, you know, every day at a time and just, you know, being thankful that you're able to dance again for another day. Absolutely. And what do you hope, you know, the future holds for you both in, you know, the Irish dancing world and then just in, in life in general? Um, well, I, you know, love teaching. I'm hoping to be certified. Um, for teaching Irish dance. Um, and then performing, I'm trying to go as long as I can, as long as my body will allow. Hopefully that's for a long time, but you know, who knows with injuries and everything. Um, but then outside of life, I'm actually, you know, I'm um, at North Park University studying um, biology to become a marine biologist. So that's, that's one goal of mine um, that I've been working towards. And yeah, just hopefully I can keep Irish dancing through all that and, you know, keep doing what I love. No, that's, that sounds awesome. That's, that's really cool. Uh, congratulations and best of luck with, with all of those goals for sure. So tell us, uh, tell us how people can connect with you. Maybe they want to check out that Instagram page, see what this is all about. We've talked so much about it. They're thinking, what is, what is Irish dancing? What's this even look like? How can people connect with you? Yeah, um, I do have an Instagram page. It's um, at CM underscore Irish underscore dance. Um, and then I also have a TikTok as well where I post similar and also extra material, um, which is at the same username, CM underscore Irish underscore dance. Um, you can also see me and my company perform. Um, we're the Trinity Irish Dance Company. Um, and then we have, I think, three or four more shows to end up the season and one in, you know, Minnesota, two in Wisconsin. Um, so they can definitely check out our tours. Um, and if they can't catch us this season, we'll can see us next season. No, that's awesome. Is, is that where, I mean, is that is St. Patrick's day? Is that your, is that your big day? Obviously with ballet, I keep mentioning ballet. People are going to listen to this and think we're talking about Irish dance. We keep mentioning ballet, but that's the only thing that I've talked to somebody about. Nutcracker's huge. Of course, if you're in, if you're in ballet anytime during Christmas season, you hopefully you're, you're part of a Nutcracker performance is, is St. Patrick's day where the, yeah. really all, all of the big things happen. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, that's when, you know, even schools kind of drift away from the competition side of things, and they do more performance stuff. So, you know, I grew up, you know, when I was eight, going to bars and performing at for St. Patrick's Day. I mean, it's a lot of fun, lots of parades. It's definitely probably our most busiest time of the year. But it's also, you know, what we look forward to most. It's just a lot of fun and dancing and, you know, kind of relaxing from any competition or you know stresses of the normal year no i, I think that's really cool I, I really appreciate your time thanks so much of course thanks for having me so that was claudia morrison really enjoyed speaking with her learned so much about irish dance that was kind of one when i was looking at these performance art of course i wanted to talk to somebody in the ballet world but i knew i wanted to talk to somebody in, in irish dance too just because it's such a an interesting dance style just you know with the whole not moving your arms now we kind of know why that is but we kind of don't because it is kind of a lore behind it uh, but uh, i i really really enjoyed speaking with her I learned quite a bit you know uh, about irish dance still a ton to learn but uh you know, just like anytime we speak to somebody in the performance arts I urge you go check out uh, go check it out live. You know if uh, if you're interested, definitely. I don't think it'll disappoint. You know I'm going to put a link to her her dance company Trinity Irish Dance. That's going to I'll put the the uh, website in the show notes. I'll put her Instagram in the show notes. Go check them out. It seems like they tour quite a bit. So if they're coming to a town near you, I, I think you're in for a really, really cool uh, cool performance. So uh, thanks for being here. I hope you learned a lot. I hope uh, you enjoyed you know this this podcast and, and learning just a little bit about Irish dance and, and all the podcasts. You know, that's, that's what it's here for is to just teach you a little bit about different people every week. I will be doing that you know again next week. So make sure that you're subscribed. Uh, that you uh, follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Appreciate that. Leave a review. Appreciate that even more. Go follow us on Instagram, Not Enough Podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, appreciate your support. Thanks for being here. Take it away, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.